Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, thank you, Mr. Kelly. It's always a pleasure to follow you. You do such a great job. And folks, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, my screen, it went away. No, I just touched the mouse. So, anyway, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This morning when I left to come to KMOX, wow, the frost was pretty thick on the windshield. I was a little surprised. I saw it forming last night as I looked out the window. I didn't realize it was going to be quite that thick. I almost had to use a scraper. Ugh. I always hate that time of year when we get to that point. But anyway, every Saturday morning we get together to discuss your yard, your landscape, your garden, how are your houseplants doing, potting mixes to soil improvement, pruning bugs, diseases, planting. Yes, you can still plant trees and shrubs, woody plants, other things. It's a little iffy. Uh, But uh, making the best choices. Remember, my words are strictly to open opportunities. After that, it's going to be an effort on your part in this great marathon called gardening. It's never a sprint. Sprints just don't do much. They're quick, yes, but they're over very fast. So this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you being here. And thanks to Cole and Greg. They're both producing today. Apparently, I've made some people very nervous, so now I have to have two producers for this show in case I go crazy or nuts. One of them can pin me down on the floor or something. Anyway, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. I also write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. And during the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk-and-talk. So if you'd like to have a walk-and-talk or give one as a gift, I have gift certificates that I can email to you. Uh, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage. That's where my email address and phone number is, where I can be reached. And today's Good Gunning Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. It steps off right now. Every morning I kind of sit as I'm having breakfast, coffee, blah, 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 whatever, and I try to figure out, let's see, where do I want to go for the Good Gunning Stroll today? And I thought, hmm... It's still very dark as it is that time of morning. So I thought, how about some place that's kind of wild and crazy and whatever? But anyway, I headed down Bates where Bates runs into Broadway. That's where Bell Reef Park is. But there was a really this morning the slightest sliver of a moon. It was accented by the really orangish, very low on the horizon as the sky was starting to come up. And, uh, boy, this is the last few days of fall, folks, so winter is just around the corner. And what better place to capture the view of this sunrise and sliver of the moon and one—I forget what star that is out early in the morning, but anyway, doesn't matter. 
uh, than Belle Reve Park. It sits on the bluffs in South City, and the twinkling lights across the Mississippi River were great. And as you pull in, you kind of go up around a bend and everything else. There is a massive oak tree there. I mean, huge. It must be a 40-plus-inch caliper, and it really dominates that view. And some of the other trees were still holding on to their leaves. Actually, some of them, there must have been some, a big bunch of fall webworms because there's wads of leaves on certain trees that have webbing in them. And that's, uh, that was, I don't think there's anything in there anymore, but uh, those were where the fall webworms were. Then once they hatch, they make that webbing. Then they drop to the ground and spend the wintertime below the surface. And um, other trees were standing totally naked. So, in other words, they'd already dropped all their leaves. And on the west side of the park, the conifers, various varieties, were making their presence seen. Some of them have been limbed up to show a great amount of bark on their trunks. And other ones had not been limbed up at all. So they had branching all the way to the ground. There was a barge sitting in mid-river. And uh, the playground equipment was sitting and waiting for today's warmer temperatures, I'm sure it'll be filled with kids later on. There's an observation spot, which is uh, right on the, I guess, on the east side of the historic building. And really, it offers a great panorama view up and down uh, the Mississippi River. The shrubs were hugging the foundation of the, of the building. And there's an asphalt walkway that heads north. And it goes past benches and picnic tables. And there's a multi-trunked river birch there, which... Uh, reaches out in five different directions because it has five different trunks. And uh, the walkway ends around a drinking fountain. Of course, there's no water coming. There was a dog getting walked this morning, so that was a very lucky dog. Birds were beginning to wake up and set flight, and the sky was starting to brighten more and more, so it is time to go. What a great morning in Belle Reve Park and South City. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Make sure that you are keeping the leaves raked off your lawns. If you're going to think about uh, how you really like lawn and how well it's going to do, because Big piles of leaves, that's humidity, and that can cause some fungus problems. Wintertime funguses are not deadly in and of themselves, but what they do is just weaken your lawn, and then consequently, a weaker lawn as it comes out of wintertime, goes through spring, into summer, is going to be much more prone to those deadly fungus problems. So please keep those leaves raked up. Carolyn, how are you doing today? I'm just fine, thank you. How are you? Very good. Good, good. Go ahead. Uh, my question is, I have a Christmas cactus, and it started blooming probably a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. But the blooms do not, the buds are there. The blooms do not open up. And I was wondering if I'm doing something wrong or what's going on. How, how big are the buds? Oh, they're pretty good size. I would say, oh. Like an inch? Uh, let me check right. Not quite. No, okay. Not quite. So, uh, you know, why normally once the buds get that big, you should anticipate them being actually fully open within a few weeks after that point. So yeah. I'm not exactly sure what's going on. Does the foliage and everything look healthy? The plant's not limp down or anything? It's not uh, no, saggy? It looks fairly healthy. Yeah. Okay. 
I would say just you know, kind of just you're just going to have to be patient because as long as the buds are still on there, a lot of times the plants will have a tendency if they are under stress to drop the buds. Uh-huh. Or if the plant's under stress from overwatering, then you'll see the foliage or the, actually the entire plant could look very limp. And then a lot of people will think, well, a limp plant means it needs more water. And then that's just sort of the death. So you, is, you have it in a sunny location? I have it facing the uh, southwest, sort of. Yeah. So, so as long as it's in sun, that's about all you can really do. And just, you know, water whenever the potting mix starts shrinking away from the inside of the pot. Don't overwater it. They're from a tropical part of the world, so they're not technically, they're cactus per se because of the flower parts. But they don't have the thorns or anything like that. So it's just going to, you know, hopefully you're going to get them to open up. But I'm surprised that the, the buds have been there. Now, let me ask you another question, too. Since you've had the plant, have the buds, were they small when you first got it or were they just this size? Um, I think they've gotten a little bit bigger. Okay, because usually when the buds start coming out, they're almost like the size of a very small pea, or uh-huh. let's say a lentil. And then they'll get bigger and bigger and elongate, and they'll become more finger-like. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, why it's not blooming, I'm not exactly sure. So, um, you know, just kind of, like I said, keep your fingers crossed. And as long as you're doing everything, it sounds like you're doing everything just right, then okay. it's just going to be a matter of luck. Okay, and also my husband was wanting to plant some tame blackberries. Mm-hmm. Uh, when would be the best time? Uh, probably availability at the garden center. That's the best time to do it. Sometimes they have them in the springtime, sometimes in the fall, sometimes either one of those. But, uh, you know, I would say either one, fall or spring. My tendency to always be, you know, late summer would be to plant them at that time. But uh, you can plant them in the spring, too. And tell them not to allow any kind of – you can go ahead or he can go ahead and let them flower. But for the first couple years, don't let any fruit form because the fruit forming really stresses a plant out and then consequently can cause, uh, let's say, some problems of getting established and sending up more rhizomes, you know, canes, you know, yeah. to create a colony. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time and we love your program. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. Let's yeah, go – Let's go now to South St. Louis, and that's where Jay lives. Hi, Jay. Good morning. Hi. I want to drag. I want to drag the hose out and start watering everything today and tomorrow outside. Is that a good idea or not? Absolutely. Everything is super dry, and most okay. people have already turned off their faucets, you know, and everything else. But uh, yeah, it is. I mean, I there was one rainfall that in my memory, but there hasn't been much rain at all. When I go out. You know, so, I mean, you're really doing what you should do. And especially for anybody that's had a recently installed plant material. I'm talking recently, like within the last two years, uh, they're still not really well established to handle these dry circumstances. So newly installed things should be watered for sure. Well-established plant material can kind of handle this, but they're probably going to be better off if you do some watering. Very good. Thank you, sir. Yep. Bye-bye. And that's, you know, for anybody, too, um, let's say you've planted some daffodils, you planted some tulips, you planted this, you planted that, you know, in the fall. And now, you know, the ground has been so dry, you've got to have moisture in the soil for, let's say, your tulips, daffodils, crocus, or any, you know, any of those spring flowering bulbs to actually get the root system established. Because even though they're a bulb, they still need to put out roots to be able to absorb feeder roots 
to absorb nutrients and moisture to keep the you know the bulb healthy through the entire winter time. So just realize that that's you know that's something that you should be doing. So if anybody does have any other questions, three one four. 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I'm going to start, you know, hammering on this thing that I always constantly hammer on. This is a perfect time to get a soil test done. And in the guessing game on what's going on with this, that, or anything else. So you take samples, let's say, from your lawn, your lawn in the front, you know, take five or six samples. You want to go below where the grass is, and you want to just, like, get an ice cream scoop full and then put that in a Ziploc bag, and then you can send it to various locations. There's private companies, and there is the University of Missouri as well. You can take them to Brightside St. Louis. They will you know, send your samples off and have them tested too. Missouri Botanical Garden no longer does any soil testing, but the soil test is going to tell you, I mean, the ver- it's like you going to the doctor or you taking your pet to the vet you're con- that's how you find out. You take, t- you know, you get tests done to find out what's going on. And without those tests, you could say, "Well, I did this, 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 and this." But if it's wrong in relationship to what the soil chemistry is, then you're creating a major problem. Like, you know, when you look at a bag of fertilizer, let's say traditional type of bags of fertilizer, there's usually three numbers, and the last two numbers, phosphorus and potassium. They're important, you know, for the growth factor and everything else. But if you start getting getting extravagant levels of those chemicals in your soil, then it can really have an adverse effect on plant material, whether it's lawn, whether it's perennials, whether it's ground cover, whether it's trees, or whether it's shrubs. It has a tendency to dehydrate the soil and things like that. So you can think, well, I keep putting fertilizer down and my plants should be doing better, but they're not. So maybe you are have done too much of one type of fertilizer and you you need to you know change the type of fertilizer or the soil chemistry from the standpoint of a pH you know is your soil too salty or is it too much like or you know let's say vinegar acidic and that can have a big impact like lilacs really love an alkaline soil so consequently that's a salty soil so if you take a soil test near your lilacs and you find out the soil pH is, let's say, 6 or below that, that might be too acidic, and that might be impacting your soil as well. Debbie lives in Farmington. Debbie, how are you today? Yes. Is it too late to plant garlic? Uh, it's almost too late. So probably what I would – so you, I'm assuming you have the garlic you know, already bought. Yes. Okay. My tendency would be, rather than, unless you've got a really well-established garden space that you can put it in, so in other words, you're totally confident in the soil and everything else, I would probably put them in pots and then sink the pot in a hole in the garden space just to help them out a little bit. The reason why I'm saying put it in a pot, because, a black plastic nursery pot, because it's going to be warmer because of the, you know, the plastic will warm up when the sun is out. So consequently, that will trigger the growth you know, or the establishment of the garlic. So that's what I would do. But if you feel comfortable that your garden space is ready, you could go ahead and put, some, you know, put it in the ground if you like. We have raised beds. That should be fine. That would be okay? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. And but uh, next year, if you get more garlic, um, you know, get it in the ground a little earlier. Be better for the plant material. But thanks, Debbie. If anybody else has any questions or comments or opinions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. 
Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. There's plenty of open lines, so give us a call and we can talk about whatever you like. Uh, just remember also... oh. Those weeds, they're still cranking along, those cool season weeds. When I walk down to Snooks, I go down the Christy Greenway. And uh, this time of year, I have a tendency not to walk on the walkway. I walk on this cut through various areas of lawn. Man, the weeds are just prolific. And what kind of weeds are the cool season weeds? They germinated last August. They're going to grow all the way through wintertime, do well. As we pass the New Year's, when it starts getting a little bit day length, starts increasing, then they're going to start flowering and then dropping seeds. And so just what are you looking at? You're looking at henbit or dead nettle. Those are both varieties. They're in the mint family. How you can always tell if a plant is in the mint family. Just feel the stem. If the stem feels squarish, then it's in the mint family. The common chickweed, chickweed was prolific. The other day when I, let's see, I think it was on Wednesday when I walked down. I mean, it was like a carpet. It was so thick. The annual bluegrass. So if you have a zoysia lawn and you see some grass coming up that's kind of a darker greenish, bluish green, that's probably the annual bluegrass. So that was from seed. And how do you think, well, I got all this under control. I don't understand why I have an annual bluegrass problem. But the seed can be spread all kinds of different ways, regardless of the type of weed. And so it can come in on shoes, it can come in on by squirrels, it can come in, you know, on the bottom of your, you know, anyway. I mean, just, it, they can blow in all sorts of different ways. And even though I live in the city, there's, you know, there's some people who, let's say, along the alleyway don't take care of, less, you know, the weed circumstance. So as, let's say, the seeds, you know, are formed on these alley weeds, then they're blown down or washed down by the rain, and, you know, I have to battle them. But also there's shepherd's purse. There's a type of clover that, you know, is a cool season weed as well. And uh, a speedwell, a type of veronica. So the veronica is kind of a cool weed. You know, if I was going to have to say I want this weed and no other weeds, it would be the speedwell, the veronica, the Persian speedwell. It's uh, small blue flowers, probably the size of a pencil eraser, eraser at the biggest, and it's very flat. So it's kind of a neat weed if you're going to have weeds. Some of them just get a little bit too wild and crazy. Let's go to uh, Illinois and to Wood River. And Arlene, how are you today? Doing fine, thank you. I have got a question about knockout roses. Uh-huh. When is the best time to trim those? Uh, we've had a cold spell, so you can do it now. Okay. I didn't know if I had to wait till the end of winter or not. No, no, no. You're probably better off to do... You can... You, it really doesn't matter. They're shrub roses. They're very tough. They're not like the hybrid teas or the grafted roses, the floribundas, and all that other stuff. But uh, they're t- tough, durable. If you wanted to wait, just leave the foliage so if we have a great ice storm, you can see the ice hanging on or, you know, or whatever it happens to be. You can do that. Just make sure if you're going to do it after winter, just do it before the new growth starts you know, emerging. The new growth is going to be leaves first. Okay. And what about a gumball tree? When's the best time to trim those? Uh, it really doesn't. You know, wintertime for most of the trees except maples. Maples can be pruned during the summer. But uh, most of the deciduous trees, you're better off to do it during the winter time. 
Okay. So that's related to diseases and all kinds of various circumstances. So, and if you're, are you doing the pruning yourself or having a company do it? Okay. I'm going to have somebody do it. Yeah. If they do it and you want branches shortened, make sure they just don't cut off. Let's say you got a 10 foot branch and you say, I just, you know, this is getting too close to the gutters or to the house or to, you know, it's dropping gumballs on the sidewalk or whatever it is. Don't let them just stub the thing off. So make sure that it's cut in with the last, you know, the final cut, a longer branch. They're going to cut in three different sections with the final cut leaving a stub of about a quarter to a half inch would be the biggest. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. And now let's stay in Illinois because we were saving on gas and go to Ron, and he lives in Breeze, Illinois. Hi, Ron. Hi, Mike. Uh, I have a, a dwarf Alberta spruce that's about seven feet tall. It looks lopsided because the side that gets the most sun has grown out a lot more. Right. Could I trim that now? Uh, trimming, you know, trimming conifers going into the wintertime is probably not advisable because what you're going to do, you're going to expose and look and take a look on the inside of your, you know, Alberta spruce because there's not too many needles on the inside of it. With the, more or less any of the evergreens, they drop the, the needles on the inside, even if they're not dense and thick like the Alberta spruce is. But if you prune it now and we have a severe winter, you're exposing some, let's say, needles and ends of branches that have been protected by the parts that you've cut off. And then you could have some damage done to that and you could really, you know, really end up with a very ugly plant. So could I try that in the spring then? Yes, sometime after the you know the worst part of winter is over. So again, I always you know continues to say you know anytime after Valentine's Day you should be able to do it, but be sure and do it before any kind of new growth emerges. And you're not going to really get it straightened up, to be honest. It's not going to ever be you know completely symmetrical because either it's next to your house or it's next is shaded for some reason. And that side is always going to be weaker, and it's not going to put, you know, produce as much growth. So just understand, you've got a good one. You've had it for a long time. You've enjoyed it, but you're not going to make it symmetrical. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. So you can I- kind of, you know, save yourself from doing the pruning, and uh, if you want, I mean, you don't certainly if you want to do the pruning, that's fine. Uh, remember the uh, seasonal decorations, the inflatables. I, I'm going to talk about the seasonal decorations a little bit later as far as uh, – but anyway, some of them are so huge. Like there's one now that I'd never seen before, before this year. It's a dragon, and actually the dragon wings flap. So this is one of those big inflatable things. Just realize when these things, you know, they're turned off and they collapse, when they are laying, wherever they're laying – it's just like, you know, the leaves laying on the top of your ground or your bed spaces or s- circumstances like that. It creates a very humid environment underneath there. And again, it, it's the fungus that may result from that is not going to be killer-type fungus. Winter funguses on lawns in particular are not killer-type, but they just weaken your lawn just in general. So just, be, you know, be conscious of where you put them and everything else because there are some yards that have so many inflatables. I mean, it's really kind of cool to see all of them, but and you go down, you, know, you go past them later, let's say earlier in the day before they're inflated, and, I mean, the yard is covered with a tarp, and then you're just kind of creating a, you know, sort of a nightmare for yourself. Uh, Proning-wise, just also... Pruning on spring flowering shrubs or trees, 
you're cutting off the flower blooms. So that's it doesn't hurt them to prune them this time of year. You're just reducing the flower count. So whether it's on a dogwood, whether it's on a redbud tree, whether it's on a forsythia, whether it's on witch hazel, doesn't really matter. It's just you're cutting off the buds for next year. So ideally what you should do is just leave them alone, enjoy the flowers for the springtime, and then prune right after they finish flowering. you got about one or two months after they flower before you have to, you know, let's say be concerned that they're already starting the chemical process of setting up the flower buds for the next year. But uh, summer blooming things, you can prune them all winter long if you want to. You can prune them all the way through, you know, early spring until the new growth starts. And then after that time, you don't want to prune them because then you're going to cut off their flower buds. So just realize spring flowering, pruning in the fall or wintertime doesn't hurt them physically or let's say emotionally. Well, I guess emotionally it does because you're not going to have advantage of seeing the flowers. But beyond that, you don't have to worry about too much. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, today would be the perfect day if you're planning on getting a poinsettia and you haven't purchased it yet. Why would today be the perfect day? Because the temperature is good. So when it's really cold and let's say you buy a poinsettia and you got to get it out to your car, it should be protected. You should put you know, a plastic bag over the top of it. I know they always come in sleeves so it protects, let's say, the sides and everything else, and that's mainly from injuries or damage, that type thing. But when the weather gets cold, but let's say even it doesn't have to go below freezing, you could do some damage to your poinsettia by just taking it out to your car, sitting it in your car, and leaving it in your car until you got home, or even if you're going some other place because cold temperature is not exactly what points out. And this is for any kind of plant that you'd buy this time of year that's actually growing. Now, one of the things that you can buy this time of year, though, is an amaryllis. It's an amaryllis bulb. You can put that. You can either buy some of them come already with a potting mix and everything in the pot, or you can just buy individual bulbs and use potting mix yourself and just stick them in the pot and water, you know, water the potting mix. And then probably within, I would say, Oh, maybe six weeks or so, you should see the flower stalk shooting up. And then within a week or two after that, they should be in full flower. So if you're not familiar with amaryllis, the flowers can be as much as like any place between four and six inches across in diameter. Usually each stalk will have at least two, if not four flowers. They are absolutely striking. Jay lives in Edwardsville. Jay, how are you today? Good. How's it going? Very good. Hey, real quick question. I had a tree service come up to my house and prune about four or five large um, pin oak trees. Mm-hmm. One of the pin oak trees, uh, the one of the, the the large limbs at the bottom that they pruned, just kind of it looks pretty dead at the time. So they cut the limb off, and I noticed a couple large black, I guess, carpenter ants going in and out of a small hole from where they cut into the back into the tree. Is that something I need to treat, or will the cold air kill them off? Because I think they were living primarily in that limb that was previously removed. Yeah, probably uh, is. You know, they might have carted a bunch of them off. You know, when they you know cut off the branch, uh, the cold air is not going to you know impact any kind of insects for the most part. 
they are, have evolved through time and history. So they either know because if they have, let's say, a tender body, then they spin like a caterpillar type thing. They go into the ground. Other ones hide in cracks and bark and things like that. So the cold weather is not going to do it. I would say you might have the service come out and see if it's really a problematic thing. Right where you see the hole, right where they cut the branch off, is there, is there like what does the wood look like at that spot? Does it look healthy? Does it look okay? I know the branch was basically dead from what you said, but if the you know if the wood looks good and you know you know solid, then probably the you know let's say the carpenter ants or whatever type of ants they happen to be may not be all that problematic for your tree just in general. Is that, there's there a paint or a tar I can paint over that? No, don't do that. Days of old, that stuff actually worked because it had lead in it. And so it helped with bacteria and other things. If you want to paint it, just paint it. Take some dirt and just rub it so you don't see where this, you know, where the branch was. But none of that stuff does any good at all, and sometimes it does more harm than good. All right. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Yep. And if anybody else has any questions, we got a couple minutes to take care of your questions. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And uh, another thing you need to be thinking about is, as I said before, keep mowing your lawn. Cool season lawns are still growing. So realize that uh, they're going to elongate. They're going to keep growing until it probably gets a little bit colder than this. Then they're going to just slow down, but they'll stay green for the wintertime. You don't want your lawn, cool season lawn, to get the blades to get too long because that just sets up a situation where, you know, again, I keep you know harping on this fungus and bacteria circumstance and viruses because this is one of the major things because of where we are located and the way our weather is. If you remember this past year, there were certain months where it almost rained every day for that you know that month, and then there was months where it never rained at all, and we haven't had much rain you know for a couple months now. So it is just so screwy, but. You know, these bacteria, insects, and everything else, everything that we battle, you know, just look for individual circumstances or, you know, situations that, you know, they can just take advantage of it. And it's not like they care. They're not thinking about it. It's just, you know, a natural triggering mechanism. Sandra lives in Maryland Heights. Hi, Sandra. Good morning, and thank you so much for your service. Well, thank you. Uh, I have this question about how to winterize geraniums in a flower box. Okay. The flower boxes. And, oh, go ahead. And the, and the second, can I segue? To, uh, second question is: Are coffee grounds beneficial for potted plants? Basically, coffee grounds help. You know, if you're using potting mix, coffee grounds are not going to really add that much. They're slightly acidic. That helps. You know, from that standpoint, a lot of times, if you use potting soil, the pot, the coffee grounds will help. From the standpoint, it helps with the drainage circumstance, but not just to lay them on the top of the surface if you mix them in. So the coffee grounds, if you like to smell coffee grounds, sure, go ahead and do it, but they really don't add all that much. So they can change the pH a little bit, but if you're just putting, a you know, let's say a quarter inch of you know, coffee grounds on the top of a you know, potting mix, it's not going to do that much. Now, geraniums in a window box, you're probably better off 
to pull them out, you know, of the window box and put them in pots and bring them inside and either put them in a sunny window. But my grandmother used to save her geraniums and she just took them. She pulled them out of the ground or out of pots that she had outside. She put them in a pot and just took them into the basement. And she didn't, she wasn't concerned about putting them where there was sun or anything else. And the stems were strong enough with her geraniums to actually survive with no, you know, no kind of problem at all. And then when spring rolled around mid spring, then we just took the geraniums back outside and planted them again. So you cannot really overwinter them in a window box, you know, with probably great success. They may survive the wintertime, but how well they're going to do, that's going to be another situation. So putting mulch on them, you know, wrapping them up with a plastic bag, any of that kind of stuff, you just don't want to do because it's not really going to help. But outside, they're probably just going to freeze. Okay, I mean, can they still remain in soil? Uh. It, in the ground or in a no, window in, box? No, in the window, in the window box. Well, you can leave them there, but if this window box is outside, so you're leaving the window box outside or you bring the window box inside? It's inside. Okay, so yeah, you can just leave them that way. But I don't need to prune them? No, just there. If you're going to try to grow them, you can put them in a sunny window and just let them go. And, see, you know, they're not going to do great, but, they'll, you know, they may put out a few new leaves. But just expect as the days are going to continue to get a little bit shorter uh, to leaves for probably just kind of wilt and not do great. Unless you've got a really, really bright window, then consequently the foliage may stay. Don't ex- if you do see any flowering start to come on them, Cut the flowering off because that just that's going to stress them out too much. So if the, you're bringing it in, put it in a sunny location. Minimize the amount of watering you're doing because, again, they have a thick stem, so they don't need a whole lot of water, especially during the wintertime when they're not going to do grow, you know, much growth on the inside. So very, very low care. Thank you so much. Sure. Good luck with that. And, yeah, I mean, geraniums are something that's really – they're quite tough. They're quite durable. And very long-lasting. I think, you know, I can't remember how long my grandmother had hers, but it was multiple decades. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. The Voice of St. Louis. News Radio 1120 KMOX. KMOX HD St. Louis. 102.5 KEZK. HD3 St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.